verses 22 to 35 and can be found on page 1027 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back and page numbers for these are on the screen. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken, spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord.
But who is it for? Simeon says it's, it's for all nations, all people groups. He's saying this is the plan. Uh, I am going to reach the world and you need to be in line with my plan to offer consolation and comfort to the whole world. So you and I and God's people are not the terminus of this salvation. We are the conduit. My old headmaster at, uh, uh, my, my old headmaster at school, he only had ever had one talk for assemblies. It just had always come out. Uh, every term he would give the same talk. And he'd talk about what's the difference between the Lake of Galilee and the Dead Sea. And of course the difference is that the Lake of Galilee has the River Jordan coming in and coming out. <laughs> it's a conduit. But the Dead Sea just has the River Jordan coming in and it stops. <laughs> We're meant to be a conduit. And we are never more glorious than when we are sharing or living out the good news of this comfort in the world. That's when we shine. You see, it's uh, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Israel would eventually fulfill that calling. Came across this definition of consolation. Before and after fundamental medicine offers diagnoses, drugs and surgery to those who suffer, it should offer consolation. Consolation is a gift. Consolation comforts when loss occurs or is inevitable. It renders it more bearable. It implies a period of transition, a preparation for a time when the present suffering will have turned. Consolation promises that turning. And Jesus Christ is the only person who can offer true consolation. So that is the gospel in, in, in a different form. Consolation, that's the first word. Second word, it's a conflict. We don't often read this last section um, of Simeon's words. Um, it's quite striking. He blessed them and said to Mary, it's going to be very difficult. <laughs> I always kind of find that strange. You know, it's a blessing. And then he says he is set for the falling and rising of many in Israel. But he's preparing Mary, and I think he's preparing us for what it means to have Jesus in your life. Because Jesus, by nature, cannot help but be confrontational. You can't bring God into the room and pretend he's not there. Even if he comes as a baby. So there is the rising and falling of many. And the hearts of many are revealed. I used to say he can't help but cause confrontation just by being who he is. And that's true. But I think if you look through the Gospels, it's almost as if he creates a crisis. You know? He creates a confrontation. I am here, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> now we know Jesus has come to bring peace on earth. But... Think, how does a surgeon bring peace to your body? If there's something nasty, he has to cut you open with a, a knife, a sword, as it were. How does a therapist help a depressed person? By confronting painful me memories. What about the physios? <laughs> this is not going to hurt. Oh, you know, but they, you know, when they say that, you know it's not true, isn't it? This, of course it's going to hurt. It's going to be really awful. So there's this sort of conflict amongst people and within people. Amongst people, 
You find yourself slightly out of step with people. But somebody said this week to me, and I thought it was great. They, they kept their old friends from university, and they're still really good friends, he said. We're still really good friends, but people know I'm different. And there's not much of a conflict there because there's a good relationship, and I think that's great. But sometimes you just simply have to go in a different direction if you're following Christ. It's conflict for the sake of a deeper peace in society. So historically, early Christians simply would not worship the emperor. There's an old saying. Sorry, there's a, a, the, the, the two words are Kaiser Kurios in Greek. Kaiser standing for Caesar Kurios Lord. And so the chant would go up, Kaiser Kurios, Kaiser Kurios. Christians couldn't say that. They said Christos Kurios, Christos Kurios. And it, it, it sort of got them into trouble. Were they just being awkward? I, I think what they were saying was anything other than the worship of God would ultimately be detrimental to the health of society. Jesus provokes a crisis. And it ultimately forces people to say, thy will be done or my will be done. So much better to, as it were, take those idols away, even if it's Caesar. So there is, there's a conflict among people, but there's a conflict within people as well. And I don't know if you've ever felt this yourself. Um, that, that battle within you as you accept or try to deal with the fact that Jesus has plans for your life, which are not quite what you ordered, not quite what you ordered. My wife had that. Actually, this is not in the notes. This is a bit dodgy. There we go. I go off, off piste here. The BBC well, certainly wouldn't allow that, would they, Phil? But <laughs> I remember Rachel having that conflict when she thought about marrying me. It was not what I ordered, you know. <laughs> He's totally disorganized, etc., <laughs> etc. Et Let's not go too far down that route. Um, and if you read the Gospels, you, you know, Simeon gently says to Mary, See, a sword will pierce your soul too. You're going to have to deal with something, Mary. And God is preparing you for this. And do you remember when you read to the Gospels, the wonderful Mary is confused about her son in Mark chapter 3. She's, she's come with her brothers, with his brothers, sorry, with his brothers. And they're waiting outside the door and they think Jesus is overdoing it. And they, and they call him out. Come on, Jesus, you, know, you need to stop doing all that sort of stuff. And Jesus has a really painful word for her. These are my brothers and my sisters and my mothers. Must have been quite painful to have to sort of reconcile. And she was struggling with what God was doing, as it were. Saintly Mary tried to obstruct the ministry that would lead to the salvation of the world. (laughs) And so if that's true for Mary, it's going to be true for us, isn't it, at times? We're going to find that. J.C. Ryle um, talks about this in, uh, in his book, Holiness, which is a, a real classic. I'm um, just quoting a little bit from Tim Keller, quotes it here. Um, he, talks about, um, he talks about Christians as, as being sort of, they, you know, they, they come to church and so on and so forth. But there's no fight about their religion. There's no spiritual strife, exertion conflict, self-denial, watching and warring. They don't know anything of that. A true Christian is one who has not only peace of conscience, but war 
within. Sometimes it's like that. And I think I want to say that because it may help you to know that that is actually normal. So don't panic when that is happening. And I think Simeon is trying to tell Mary as he's trying to tell and Joseph and he's trying to tell us. It's going to be like that sometimes, but it's okay. You'll work through it until you get to a point where you end up saying, Lord, I delight to do your will. <laughs> and that leads me to the third and final word, sovereignty, sovereign. So easy to miss this little word, sovereign. It's the first word in his song, sovereign Lord. Interesting that. That's how his prayer started, how his song started. And think how this whole event came about. Just sort of play it through in your mind and just think, did it happen? Why was it that Mary and Joseph walked in just when Simeon was around in the temple? And why was it that he noticed them? And why, and, and why was it that they were also in a place to hear Anna, who was also there? Yes, I know she was spending time in the temple, but not every single minute. And, and, and just on that particular day, doing that particular thing that they were doing, there was Simeon and there was Anna. Simeon talking about the conflict and Anna helpfully saying, this is going to be for the redemption of Jerusalem. And why, why at the moment when they, when they brought their son to the temple to fulfill this, this, this particular sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord? That's a very interesting thing as well, you see, because the history behind that is that the presentation of the firstborn was something that everybody did. And it wasn't a formality. It was harking back to when Israel came out of Egypt and Israel's firstborn was saved by the blood of the sacrifice of an innocent lamb. And so they would, as it were, offer their sons or, or daughters to the Lord and normally you could waive the offering by bringing your own sacrifice. And so you see in the bit before, they brought a pair of doves and, and a young pigeon. But what if the Lord is preparing them by saying, actually, Mary, Joseph, you won't need your offering as a sacrifice. Mary and Joseph, I do have another plan for this child. He is going to be salvation. He is going to be the sacrifice. He is going to be the firstborn that suffers so that all others who trust in him will find salvation. It is a striking timing, isn't it? All of that. And so, as Mary reflects back on this, and this is how we know the whole story, because she pondered these things in her heart, she begins to see that God is mysteriously over everything that's going on. 
And that's true for us. Now, just to, just to calm down here, <laughs> calm down. Mary's situation is an extreme one. It's true, but it's extreme, and uh, you know, your child is not going to be the savior of the world. So don't panic, parents, don't panic. Um, that she feels the sword in the soul, but it's bringing about salvation in the world. But, but here is God. Um, and we, don't, we won't have to go through Mary's anguish. But I think here is God saying, all that you're going to go through, Mary, is all in my plan. And it's as if God is saying as well for us, yeah, there's, of course there's consolation. There's going to be redemption and there's going to be conflict. There's going to be difficult times. But... You're never, ever out of my good purposes for you. Ultimately, and I mean ultimately, ultimately, no evil can harm the believer. Now, that's such a striking thing to say. And you may wonder, how could I dare say that? I read recently Psalm 91. No, no evil will, will befall your tent. If you read the end of Psalm 91, you kind of wonder, oh, is he going a bit over the top, the psalmist? I was, uh, I was blessed to be part of a funeral this week, and some of you were here for it. Annette Sylvester's uh, funeral. I was, I was, I was so lucky, actually, to, to pray with the family uh, just as Annette had died. Um, and of course, it, it went through my mind as I was driving to the hospital of all the difficulties that she went through in her life. Um, you'll know the history of Platt, then you'll know what she went through. But I found myself quoting Spurgeon, um, who was relating to this business of no evil uh, can have control of your life. Spurgeon says... In one of his commentaries, when Scripture says no harm will befall you, in an, in an ultimate sense, it's really true. He says, it's impossible that any ill should happen to the man or woman who is beloved of the Lord. Ill to him is no ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Sickness, in the end, is his medicine. Reproach, in the end, his honor. Death, in the end, is his gain. And then this line, no evil in the strict sense can happen to him, for everything is overruled by good. Now, when I say that, it's almost impossible to believe, isn't it? Really? And yet, it is true. And you and I are very much like Mary and Joseph, half believing it, Sort of thinking, well, I don't know how this is going to... They've got their whole life ahead of them. They don't know what's going to happen. And yet Simeon and Anna have sort of solid rock truth to give them. Yes, consolation. Yes, there'll be conflict. But you're under a sovereign Lord. You know, it is true when Jesus is in your life. You can live in peace. And eventually when you get to the end of your life, you can depart in peace. That's what it means to have Jesus in your life. And it is an extraordinary and wonderful thing. And so may you be strengthened by that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that 
This is the most remarkable song, sung so many times in churches with such a depth to it. A word right at the very beginning of their parenting lives that helps us in so many ways. Thank you for this glorious consolation that, that you are a gift to us. Lord, you are our comfort. Our warfare has ended. Our sins are forgiven. And though there may be conflict and difficulties, we fear them not. For Lord, everything is under your sovereign hand. And everything works for good to those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. So help us to grasp that, Lord, even though some of the pain is still there with that. We recognize that. There will be a time when our praise will be full-throated, full of praise to our sovereign Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.